Welcome back to This Day and Age, where we are excited to kick off season three of this podcast. And I'm your host, Phil Tower. It's been a great pleasure to be with you on our past two seasons. And you know, you and I have had the privilege of being joined by some incredible experts in all things aging to arm you and your loved ones with the information you need to make confident decisions while navigating life's journey. So, as we head into a new season, we first wanted to reflect on some of the key topics we covered last year. So in season two, we talked a lot about how America's largest generation, the baby boomers, are aging and, you know, how with that comes a new set of challenges for both them as individuals and society as a whole. In one of our episodes, we were joined by Chief Strategy Officer at Holland Home, David Teasinga, and Greystone Executive Vice President, Brad Straub. Dave and Brad helped set the stage in our first episode of Season 2, Aging in America. Traditionally, we hear about the individual that's 65 years of age and older as kind of the older adult population. And so if we look at the older adult population right now, you know, in 2020, uh, at the 2020 census, that there were about 56.1 million individuals that were, you know, 65 years of age and older. In just seven years, in 2030, you will have 73.1 million individuals that are 65 years of age and older. All of the baby boomers will be at least 65 years of age and older. And they'll make up a little over 20% of the total population. So one in five individuals in the U.S. will be uh, 65 and older in 2030. You know, by 2060, so just another 30 years, nearly one in four Americans will be 65 years of age and older. And that the number of those 85 and older will triple and the country will have a half a million individuals that are over 100 years of age and older. You know, one of the most interesting statistics, if you look at it from a wait a demographic minute. standpoint. Did you say a half a million people? Absolutely. So we're, this is no longer going to be a news story when you turn. It'll be like, hey, Brad's 100, and, and who's 105? Well, and what's interesting is, is that when you looked at the 2010 census was the first census that started tracking the number of individuals that were 100 years of age and older. And up until that point in time, you know, all they reported on was 65 and older. Then in the 2000, they wrote out, you know, you started seeing a lot more about the 85 and older population. But, you know, now it's a meaningful number. It's not just a rounding statistic to right. look at centenarians and such. And so, you know, it's hard to imagine that as you think about that, but even as you just think about, you know, just with longevity and even in the traditional senior living communities, you know, in... 1980, the average age at entry was likely, you know, it's in the late 60s, early 70s um, for individuals. You know, today, the typical individual that moves into one of the campus-based um, senior living communities like at Holland Home, you know, whether it be the Raybrook or Breton campuses, is on average 78 to 80 at entry. Really? And so as you think about that, you know, as we're living longer and healthier, it's not unusual to hear think about that we could have a number of centenarians in each of the, you know, living situations that you might experience. On top of the growing number of those aged 65 and older, David and Brad touched on what this means for their loved ones. The thing to understand is if you're a, if you're a family member of a senior and you look at what mom or dad might need in the future and uh, can they rely on me to provide care? Mm. 
Um, and I think about that sometimes today. And, you know, families are smaller today. Um, you know, there are families that have 10 kids, maybe one or two. Um, and so, and they may be both working um, and they may have a smaller family. Um, and so there's, there's two wage earners that maybe don't provide the care. And so how do they, how do they help mom and dad age successfully where they need the help? And I think a lot of times historically you've relied on your family and maybe you can't do that. There's another interesting statistic and that is for those who are 55 or older, 16.5% of people who are 55 or older are childless. That's a huge number if you think about it. So there is no family to rely on. Maybe nieces, nephews, brothers, and that type of thing. I think the other thing, if you're relying on family, are they prepared to provide the type of service uh, that needs to be provided? Yeah. Uh, can, they, can they do that? Uh, can they handle the physical and emotional needs of taking care of mom and dad? Can they handle those personal dignity types of things? And so I think as mom and dad do age, I think you got to be, you got to have those conversations, so just those discussions with them about, can I do this for you or do we have to have a plan for you as you age further? I then asked David and Brad if there was one key takeaway for this conversation that they would want listeners to come away with. What would that be? I think understanding all the data we just provided about the number of people who are, are 70, 75 plus, uh, don't wait. Um, don't. I think a lot of people wait till something happens to them. There's an injury that happens. Um, there's an illness that takes place. And all of a sudden, you're trying to create plans at that point in time. I think recognize that as you age... Uh, things do happen. And so go out, investigate, look at different options that are available to you. The beauty about a life plan community is it provides everything that you would need. Uh, it provides a great independent living space that you can actively live in and do all the things that you would like to do, which don't require you to be limited in anything. You can be active in, in everything you'd like to do from from wellness, from spirituality types of things, to to uh, lifelong learning programs, to physical activity, the socialization with the community that you're part of. Uh, a lot of people, for whatever reason, choose not to be part of that. I think when you suddenly need it because of an injury um, or because of an illness, uh, it becomes di- it becomes more difficult. And change is difficult, right? You're probably moving from that house that you lived in for 40 years, uh, make that decision now. Make it when you're able to make a decision and choose the stuff you want to do. Uh, don't wait till uh, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and then recognize that there's a lot of people in the same situation, and there is some some shortage of ability to get into facilities. So be active and proactive uh, looking for the best place for you to be. As we often noted throughout the season that it was never too soon to start thinking about planning for senior living and care, we also realized there are still a lot of misconceptions surrounding it. So we invited Holland Home resident Ann Robinson, along with senior living consultant Michael Lopeman, to help combat some of those misconceptions. We see a lot of uh, prospective residents as they start uh, the journey of doing some research on senior living and where they may want to start this next chapter of life, they have in their mind maybe a 
a community where there's a tiny little room that maybe they share with somebody, that there's no kitchen, there's no exciting activities or programming where, yes, we're going to go and take a bus trip to the Tulip Time or up north to Traverse City or wherever, whatever activity or programming we're doing, even just from a facility standpoint where we have beautiful homes that we and apartments that we have totally redone and they're beautiful. And, and a lot of times our kids are like, this is nicer than where we live. So, and, and then the kids want to come in because again, that misconception that they have in their mind, because they used to visit grandma or grandpa or somebody in a senior home. Well, this, do we have nursing facilities? Yes, we do. But when we're talking about independent living and even assisted living, where there's a lot of options for people, where you can be in an apartment as large as 3,000 square feet with three bedrooms and full kitchens and everything, that doesn't always resonate with people initially. Mm-hmm. And so when they come and they visit, and it's kind of, we get a little bit of a wow factor of like, I didn't realize it'd be this nice. Somebody I worked with, they were coming in and they had a boat and they had these things. And I was like, don't sell the boat, just do the move. And they came back later and said, that was such great advice because we still enjoy our boat. We still enjoy our boat friends, but now we have friends at Holland Home too, to do things with. It's not about the lifestyle changing that it's taking good things away. The things we are taking away, hopefully, are some of the headaches and the problems and the worries that a lot of us have in home ownership and, and things like that, or concern about the future. And our guest, Ann Robinson, talked about her reasons for moving to Holland Home. I had recently moved from the other side of the state when I retired, and I was living with my sister and brother-in-law. There was probably a time I was going to move out on my own again, but moving into a condo or a house has its responsibilities, Mm -hmm. as well as what will you do for health care in the future? Um, Not that when you have children, that means they'll take care of you, but (laughs) it was a good good thing to think about. But after deciding to move to Holland Home, the downsizing part for Anne wasn't so easy. As my sister says, I'm a collector of things. Okay. So it was so a challenge. <laughs> and when I retired and moved from the, the east side of the state, I was in a big condo, so I had a lot of stuff. But I had to downsize part one just to move in with my sister and brother-in-law. But of course, I rented a very large storage unit to keep everything that I couldn't at that time give up. And I think it was a good idea. I don't want to give up something quickly and then regret it. So I put all this stuff in the storage unit and bit by bit, I'd take out a toad or a load of stuff and I'd review it and decide if I can sell it, give it away, pass it on to a niece or a nephew or keep it. And uh, so then I was a little more ready when I was coming here, but I still got a storage unit so that I wouldn't have to give up something that I wasn't ready to give up. Now, for those who might move into a larger space, they, they may not have as much problem as I did, or they force it on their kids, <laughs> their family. And throughout season two, we often touched on loneliness as an issue for a lot of seniors. But Ann Robinson saw Holland Home as a cure for loneliness. Technically, I'm a loner, but I'm... I don't uh, buy that, Ann Robinson. I 
like to reach out to people because I, I know what kind of being a loner could, it feels like. So there's an opportunity besides all the things that you get from Holland Home Living, mm -hmm. there's the opportunity to give back to those residents and staff alike to uh, be thankful, to, to say, well, it was great to see you at yoga. It was great to see you in the pool. Why don't you come to the pool? Inviting people to activities. It is a, it is a splendid opportunity to reach out to others, regardless of age or infirmity. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel happy to uh, be there and be a part of it. And maybe I... I'm grateful that I was led to move in at a young age where I still know how to use Word, Excel, and, you know, publishing. So I can be helpful to other people who are struggling with their computer skills or their phone skills, albeit we do have a marvelous staff that always helps out there, too. But I'm grateful to be able to reach out to others. And later in the episode... Now that Anne settled in at Holland Home, I had to ask her if she had any second doubts about her decision. No regrets. No regrets. The opportunities and the activities and the camaraderie all are just enhancing my living, my life. And I would say to somebody who's kind of trying to wait it out, thinking, oh, I'm too, I'm too young yet to move in, but I'm thinking... If you thought, wow, you know, there's a swimming pool in my building. Mm -hmm. well, I can go to the swimming pool without even, I can go in my robe. I don't have to go outside or to get in my car and drive to the fitness center. If you think about the craft room or the wood shop where people can work on uh, their crafts, their hobbies, and learn new things mm -hmm. also, again, within the same system. Things that never would have been available to them living in a condo. Correct. Or they would have had to or get in the car. Or they have to go at a yeah. distance yeah. to those activities. Great point. And just as she was coming into the podcast recording today, said, oh, I just came from band practice and we're getting really good. So I think it speaks to the vibrancy. We're glad we could get, I'm glad we could work in this podcast on Anne's busy schedule. Yeah, she's really. working I'm around you could fit all the in. things she's doing. But again, to your point, Probably if she was in, in your home, you may not be in a band or something like that, where you've right. got your neighbors that everybody's kind of working together on this project and, and coming together. And that was Michael Lopin, Senior Living Consultant with Holland Home, along with Ann Robinson. She's a resident at Holland Home, and she was sharing how a lot of people have this misconception that moving to a senior living community means giving up, doing a lot of the things that you enjoy. And as we learned from that episode, it's actually quite the opposite, providing even more opportunities to stay engaged and a lot of great opportunities to connect with others. And while we featured a number of different experts throughout the year on the topic of aging, we also wanted to shed some light of one of our greatest resources, the older adults themselves. Holland Home residents Lois Vanderwall and Dan Girdwood joined us at Calvin University we decided to offer some good old-fashioned advice for Calvin students. And boy, was it a lot of fun. Here's what Lois and Dan had to share. Find what it is that you value. Seek that with everything you've got. Read, listen, 
learn, talk to others about it, and uh, your own priorities will take shape. I think I heard somebody say one time on that, value people over things in all cases. And I thought, that's really true when it gets down to it, human relationships versus anything else. Dan, did you have anything to add to that? Everything she said, but I would also add that uh, life is not perfect. So in the things that I've done and tried to do, doing absolutely the best I can has always been important, both in terms of when it happened, but afterwards when sometimes it didn't work out so well. It's hard to mm-hmm. get over a real screw-up, a real failure. And I've always tried to rely on, I did the best I could at the time, and that helps. And I believe there's redemption in almost every situation. A screw-up isn't a screw-up forever. It's a lesson learned. It's something you can go forward from and redeem the rest of whatever's ahead. Um, I honestly believe that in almost every single situation, certainly situations I've been in. So don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of failure and, and look ahead at what's next and how to overcome that. Somebody told me once that if you never fail, then you didn't try. If you're taking risk and getting out there, you will have some failures. Mm-hmm. But man, makes life worth living. <laughs> and that's Dan Girdwood along with Lois Vanderwald, both Holland Home residents, offering Calvin University students some good old-fashioned advice. One of our most fun episodes from season two. And I got to tell you, those Calvin University students asked Dan and Lois a lot of great questions. If you missed that episode, do me a favor, go back and check it out. You will appreciate it. Just a moment ago, we heard comments from Ann Robinson, a Holland Home resident. She joined us for our Misconceptions on Aging episode. And, you know, Ann made some great points about how being in a community like Holland Home gave her an environment that helped her build new relationships and also helped her with her overall health and well-being. And you know what? That's a perfect segue into our next episode where we touched on healthy aging and what that is all about. We were joined in our Healthy Aging episode by Marenta Klinger, Director of Resident Life at Holland Home, and we're also joined by Elizabeth Audette Bordeaux, CEO of WellBe. They were with us to talk about how important those factors are in the idea of healthy aging and how senior living experts and the industry as a whole is working together to provide aging adults with more opportunities for engagement. The three plagues of senior living is loneliness, helplessness, and boredom, and that accounts for a bulk of suffering and with older adults. So anything we can do to support person-centered care through life enrichment, through programming, what can we offer those that live with us to elevate, you know, their everyday lives beside the obvious care, beside, you know, the medical support? What programming opportunities can we walk alongside them to create that just elevates their quality of life? That's what we're striving to do every day. How can our teams be adapting to meet that need? I think a solid life enrichment program is now it's a must have. I think previously it was a bonus to be able to offer outings and in programming opportunities, but now it is it's required. It's what is expected of those moving in. And as we shift to that personalized lifestyle experience that Elizabeth touched on, 
I think if you can age in place and you have that desire to do so, there's services out there that will definitely support that. But moving into a community like Holland Home and our campuses, you have those neighbors, you have those connections that you're building upon every day. And Marenta went on to explain the reality that a lot of older adults just don't make the connection between social isolation and failing health. I think it's not two things that you generally connect in your in your brain. It's hard work to maintain and create new friendships, especially as you move through the stages of life. Yeah. Your circles of friends change depending on what you're experiencing and what you're going through. And then you throw in moving into a new community altogether, maybe from out of state. And that's tough. It, it takes a lot of effort and being very intentional to get out there and meet new people. So I, I do think it is surprising to, for people to hear that and something that we do try to stay ahead of and our teams try to stay ahead of every day. And finally, as we wrapped up that episode on healthy aging, Elizabeth Audette Bordeaux said science and technology will continue to come together in the study of healthy aging. And that means a very bright future. I'm really, really excited because I know that there are people out there that want to see things change, like Holland Home, and they are taking the right action to to be able to provide their teams with the right resources and the right tools that they need in order to provide this experience. And for me, it's just excitement. And what's keeping Mimi up at night is not fear. It's really the excitement that there's so many groups moving forward right now in North America that wants to set new standards of what to provide in terms of experience to the residents. And I cannot wait because I do know that this will have a direct impact onto the health of millions of seniors. And that's Elizabeth Audette Bordeaux putting an exclamation point on what she believes is a very bright future when it comes to learning more about the keys to healthy aging. And you know, we were so privileged in season two to be joined by so many wonderful guests to talk about the topic of aging and helping to give you, our listeners, as many tools as possible to assist you along that aging journey. And best of all, we're picking up in season three where you just heard Marenta leave off, shifting gears with a focus on the art of positive aging and the power of a positive mindset in life's later chapters. In the meantime, we hope you'll be sure to subscribe and stay tuned as we share inspiring stories of individuals embracing change, cultivating resilience, and finding joy in their golden years. From rediscovering love after loss, to unlocking the treasures of wisdom. Our podcast is all about celebrating the beauty of growing older with grace and vitality. So I hope you'll join us for insights into positive aging and discover the secrets to a life filled with purpose, joy, and meaningful connections. And you know, whether you're on your own aging journey or just looking for insights into the positive aspects of aging well, this day and age is your companion for inspiration, information, and celebration of that remarkable journey that is positive aging. And until next time, for this day and age and Holland Home, I'm Phil Tower. Thank you for listening.